You are entering another classroom, one so strange and unfamiliar it is scarcely recognizable as reality. Your next stop ahead, the Oddity Film Society. some casting for some sort of Sony Spider-Man tie-in. I don't know if anybody uh, saw that, but uh, Quicksilver is going to become uh, Craven the Hunter. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't read anything about that, but I saw a video, like just the thumbnail of it, which mm -hmm. was piqued my interest. I'm a little interested, too. Um, I don't know how that's all going to fit together. Do you know if it's for the the Spider-Man movie that's coming out? Uh, no Way Home? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, possibly? Um, it, it would make... It could make... I think I've heard a lot of rumors, like, like months and months ago. Because you know how the... Uh, I guess spoilers for uh, Spider-Man Far From Home but it ends with uh, Peter Parker being outed as Spider-Man mm -hmm. um, and I think I've heard rumors that like oh there's going to be a bunch of people trying to capture or kill Spider-Man maybe so that would kind of make sense with Kraven the Hunter I would uh, I would agree I'm, I'm just reading up on it now um a whole lot about Craven the Hunter. Uh, I don't really even read much, or if any, Spider-Man comic books. But I, I know that he's kind of a, he's kind of a, a, a villain of Spider-Man, and you know the name is kind of explain self-explanatory. Yeah. Uh, just to be clear, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, is the actor that we're talking about uh, being cast as Craven, and it looks like here. It's uh, it's going to be a standalone Craven the Hunter film. Hmm. Would Kay. it be in the MCU or would it be like a Sony? I think it's a Sony thing, like uh, kind of like the Venom movie, movies, hmm. and the Morbius movie that's uh, still upcoming. I wonder if they're trying to do sort of like a a Marvel Cinematic Universe, but with the spider-man characters laying some groundwork like, 
like the villains and all that. I get well, Morbius, he's a villain, but he's also a, a hero. Venom starts off as a villain in the comics and becomes a hero, I guess. Uh, Hunter, I think, is typically just a villain. So yeah, I've read some comics. There's a pretty good one um, written by J.M. DeMattis that focuses on Craven and Spider Man. And uh, Craven, he's just like a an adrenaline junkie, I guess. He goes after the biggest game that he can find. Kind of sounds like Jack from Lord of the Flies. Yeah, I, I guess. That's a good comparison. Does anybody have any news uh, features that they would like to discuss? I do. Okay. Um, it was announced on May 24th that Timothy Chalamet is going to be playing Willy Wonka in a Warner Brothers origin story. So well, that's interesting. I know they remade it with Johnny Depp a few years back. So I think uh, origin story I think is cool. Uh, I don't know if it's needed, but... Um, I think it's interesting, and I think they're really milking the Timothy Chalamet fandom. Um, I feel like there's much better actors that could possibly do that part, but um, I don't know any, but not much has been put out about that in general, but it will be a musical. Um, same with the other ones, but that's pretty interesting. Is it like a... Is it like a prequel to the Gene Wilder one or a prequel to the uh, Johnny Depp one? Um, that's a good question. I would assume just kind of the character in general. I would be honest, I didn't see the Johnny Depp one, so I don't really know how different it is from the original, but... I think it's mostly Johnny Depp's performance is, mm -hmm. is much different than Gene Wilder's. I, I hope it's a more of a prequel to Gene Wilder's version of, of the character than Johnny Depp's. Mm -hmm. They both have kind of similar hair. <laughs> Long, curly. I don't know if have really gotten um, like a Timothy Chalamet role sort of like that. So I think it would be interesting to see him kind of broadening his his variety of roles and stuff like that. Do you That's consider do you consider yourself part of his fandom? I was for a while and then he kind of did some questionable things. So, I don't know. I am not a huge part of that. I also don't really like how they're like Timothy Chalamet has to be like every male role in like every movie. That's what his fandom is like. So, Can we talk about what he did that was questionable or is that best um, yeah, probably not for the podcast. Okay, all right. Parazzi and, yeah, stuff. Uh, so just uh, some random news. Uh, there's a new trailer for a movie called Last Night in Soho, directed by Edgar Wright. It's, it's worth taking a peek at. It looks sort of fantasy horror-esque um looks pretty pretty neat it's about um a uh 
a girl, uh, a woman who travels to 1960s London, I think, when she sleeps and she becomes this um, uh, relatively famous singer. But then the, the trailer definitely goes in, in like a, a horror direction. And while I don't love everything Edgar Wright, uh, I usually find them fairly interesting as long as they don't have car dance scenes. Do you guys want to? Do you guys want to stop the recording? We can watch the trailer and then we can talk about it. That's up to you guys. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, yeah, we could do that. I, I think it's fairly short. Okay, I will. Uh, I'll hit the pause button. Boon. Wow. Hey, we're back. <laughs> that was seamless. Watched the trailer for Last Night in Soho, directed by Edgar Wright. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> I don't know if Edgar Wright directed the uh, the store, the 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 trailer, but uh, <laughs> his name's all over the uh, the end of the trailer. Edgar Wright did all these fantastic things. He did the story and the screenplay and the direction. Uh, what'd you think? First thing that I'll, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Okay, this is just a quick thing. First thing that jumped out to me was uh, that the main character, or at least, I guess, half of the main character, you could say, was played by uh, Elsa from Jojo Rabbit. Mm hmm Okay. <laughs> uh, I... It has a couple things for a trailer that, uh, well, it has one thing I really liked, not in all trailers, but in this trailer, and it had one thing that uh, I find is pretty cliche now, that kind of slowed down, only sung song to make it sound sort of morose and epic. Yeah. That kind of bugged me. But what I did like a lot was the sound of the fluorescent lighting. I do know you're a, a fan of some good sound design, Anderson. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I like the freeze frame at the end. Where... Yeah, that. that uh, I was like, huh? It felt something like, and that you'd see in like like an old movie. I'm like, oh, that that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Anybody excited about that film? No, yeah. Okay. I have been following this movie since it was announced. So, I didn't realize that the trailer came out because I haven't... Okay. Basically, I saw it on Letterboxd, like, a really, really long time ago. And the reason why I kept following it was because it has, like, the shortest cast list at, like, ever right now. Because, like, not much has been said about it. But Oliver Felt was on the list, who plays George Weasley. Um... And so this is like the first movie he's been in since Danny and the Human Zoo, which didn't even do too well. So to see him in a movie with Danny Teller Joy, I was like, oh, okay. So I need to like stay like up with this movie. Um, so I saw him in the trailer. He's the guy who takes the coat off her. So I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> what if that's his only part in the movie? What if he's just the coat boy? Just for people like me, just to get a little more clout for 
but yeah, I thought that was that was fun. <laughs> it was almost some like Sam Raimi esque horrorness to it. I would I would say. Like with mm-hmm. like the the hands coming out of the the floor and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's like any horror movie, but I makes me think of the first evil, the end of the first Evil Dead movie. Yeah, I like the color design. the uh, The lighting looked pretty pretty nice, and I, I don't know. Edgar Wright is at, at least he's an interesting filmmaker, and to see him kind of foray back into horror, I think will be fun yeah he hasn't what would would Shaun of the dead be the last like strictly horror thing that he did i mean the whole coronetto trilogy is kind of horror like the the next two like the two and three hot fuzz and the world's end are kind of like horror adjacent i guess you could say i would say yeah maybe horror adjacent but I think Shaun of the Dead is the closest, but they're all yeah. tempered with comedy. And then Hot Fuzz is, is more action buddy cop thriller. World's End is more science fiction alien invasion, I guess. Um, this looks more straight up. It, it I didn't catch any comedy beats from the trailer at all. Yeah, that's that's. What, I think you're right. That's that's maybe what stuck. Like it's that's I didn't I didn't really immediately notice it, but now that you say that, you're right. There was nothing. I wonder. I wonder if that's just for this trailer to like bring in a wider audience, or like if it is just gonna be like a straight, straight up, uh, serious movie. I don't. Know. I kind of. I kind of hope it's serious. I'd like to Has see that. Done... Has he done a? serious movie yet or have they all been i think baby driver would probably be the the closest Mm. it's like there are funny elements to baby driver but it's not a comedy not in the sense that uh the cornetto trilogy was what but i think that most of the comedy there probably comes from simon pegg as a co-writer uh so some other news apparently amazon is purchasing mgm which i think uh might be interesting as a as a film studio but then also getting their uh their catalog of films that's sort of neat so it's a continuation of media convergence of these massive companies just buying up all entertainment And then, uh, I don't know if anybody's aware of this, uh, Thomas might. There's a comic book called The Sandman, and Netflix is developing that into, I think, like a, a television series. And they've been releasing some casting choices that they've made, and there are some interesting ones. Um, so the, the Sandman story is about... A, a family called the endless and they they sort of encompass all human experience they're kind of like gods and so it focuses on um dream he's one of the members of the family but then there's also 
desire, despair, destruction, death, delirium. It's It kind of covers the gamut of human experience. And in the comics, they're all very pale, like white-faced characters. And they've cast um, some uh, interesting gender actors in it um some like gender neutral actors to play different parts and um they've cast uh kirby howell baptiste as death which is neat because she is a uh, an actress of color and i thought that was kind of interesting to uh to cast somebody dark skin in a role who is uh like particularly like very white and I wonder if they, um, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, if they were casting Caucasian people in a similar role, they would paint them white so that they would actually be white. So I'm interested if they're going to go with this very pale approach to these characters or allow them to to just be the, the color that they, they naturally are. Could be like Hamilton, uh, the musical. Could be a conscious decision, but that would be interesting to see what, how they decide to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just thought that was that was kind of cool. I like the idea of casting people uh, based on who will do a good performance as opposed to who uh, who fits a physical description. And uh, Thomas, this is my second last piece of news. Um, Evil Dead 4 is uh, filming starting next month for HBO Max. Ah, oh, oh, HBO Max. <laughs> I can't keep getting Services. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, apparently, there's I think eighty percent of people who have streaming services have streaming services, and they're not even aware that they're paying for them. They just sign up and then hold on to them, and they don't even know that they have them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> My sister had uh, Prime for about a year before she realized that there's a streaming service attached. But, uh, I don't know, an Evil Dead film connected to the series? That's kind of neat. It's so, is it, uh, is it like Sam Raimi directing again? No. Uh, Lee Cronin, who directed The Hole in the Ground, which I, I don't know what that is. Uh, and then Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are going to be producing. Okay, well, I think they should, they'll probably be able to... They'll probably have a big hand in it, then, I imagine. Yeah, I imagine Bruce Campbell will probably make a a cameo appearance in it. I hope it's not much more than that, really, and then they can maybe hand it off. But I think it's neat that they're not going for a reboot. They're going for a, a continuation. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, and then my last piece of news uh, should probably come from Sydney. She uh, she received some some exciting news. I think uh, yesterday, Sydney. Oh yeah, um, excellence in academic award. I... Yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> it's a pretty big deal. Mhm. Yeah, it's exciting. You are the most educated, excellent person I know. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's news, unless anybody else has anything else. I guess this is kind of a small thing, but 
this was like a total, uh, I didn't even know this was happening until I kind of stumbled across it. But there's going to be like a reboot. I don't know if it's a movie or a TV series, but it's of Turner and Hooch. Huh. And it's got, uh, and it's starring, uh, I think his name is Josh Peck of Drake and Josh fame. Which, I don't know. It's interesting, I guess. I enjoyed the original with Tom Hanks. It's been so long since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know, a guy with his dog. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> uh okay, so like the tagline, Turner and Hooch, a guy with his dog. Yeah, sure. Why <laughs> not? I'll expect uh I'll expect royalties to come in. Uh my list of uh, things that I've watched is pretty short, and I really have very little to say about any of them. Um, but I watched uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. What'd you think? <laughs> Not a lot, really. No. It was okay. Um, I felt... I felt like it was just, it was too similar to Inception in a lot of ways of trying to sell what would otherwise be a pretty straightforward action story, but just attempting to do it in the most confounding and unnecessarily complicated way. Mm-hmm. And Inception I like as, as a film uh, quite a bit. This just felt like he was playing in the same sandbox again. There was some neat imagery. Uh, I'm not sure that I really understood it. But the difference, I think, between Tenet and Inception is I wanted to go back to see if I understood it. I don't care if I go back to see Tenet again. Yeah, that's how I felt. And something I wrote in my Letterboxd review is that like it would probably make more sense if I rewatched it. One, I don't want to, and two, it was too loud. I, like, couldn't do that again. And you didn't watch it in a theater, which is a whole completely different... Did you watch it with subtitles? No. Okay. So, yeah, I was thinking, like, if there were subtitles, at least it would be better. Mm -hmm. But, like, you could not hear anything. It was just so, like, overstimulating, and I couldn't focus on what I was trying to comprehend. So that movie was just a flop for me. Yeah, well, he does that intentionally, though, with sound design, mm-hmm. where there are things going on. Even if you uh, if you go back and watch what, what I think is a much better movie, Interstellar, there, there are whole scenes where, where it's very difficult to know what people are saying. But I think that's the experience that he wants. I think he wants it to be muddled and, and possibly cacophonous and, um, and unclear. So I, I, I went into it wanting i guess his intended uh viewing experience but i i wasn't really i I guess i just didn't find it all that interesting Hmm. yeah me neither i couldn't even tell you what it was about trying to figure out why they could shoot backwards i don't even know well it radiated um particles that work in reverse time and the army 
was there and Robert Pattinson showed up and yeah. it was just it was all over the place. Um I did like Pattinson in it and I thought the performances for the whole mm-hmm. were were pretty good. I didn't like that they seemed to be playing for the stakes of the whole wide world. Uh I, I would rather a smaller stakes uh operation. Yeah. Uh I think the the part that goes along with the science fiction element that I enjoyed the most was the concept of like you're not shooting the bullet as much as you're catching the bullet with your gun I thought was really neat but then I feel like they don't explore that in a meaningful way either yeah so yeah I, I kind of it was like a I don't know it was a wet noodle I guess for me it was a flop another flop that I watched was uh, Wonder Woman 1984 yes. it was the poops I thought, actually, no, maybe the first half was okay, but it just, it seemed to make less and less sense the, the longer it continued. And uh, one of those movies, I watched it with my kids, and they were finding plot holes and, and elements that, that didn't make sense, and that uh, just made for a, an unpleasant viewing experience on the whole. And if a movie isn't entertaining you enough that you can look past those things, I think that's a huge problem. Um, I watched, uh, The Mitchells versus The Machines. It's on Netflix, little, uh, animated movie. It was pretty sweet. I liked it. Um, kind of fun, but heartwarming at the same time. And I watched Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which, I don't know, for a pop gun, pop, pop gun, popcorn, popcorn movie experience. It was okay, I guess. It sort of fell apart under itself towards the end of the uh, the movie as well. But if you want some kind of gruesome action, it was okay. That's me. I'm out. I just remembered a bit of news that came out recently. Could I just say that real quick? Mm-hmm. Something that we have talked about on the podcast before. I think there's been some casting for the second Knife's Out movie. Okay. Edward Norton, which sounds like a good pick to me. But then um, the other one that's kind of uh, a little confusing to me, not to say that they're a bad actor, but I don't know how well they would fit in that scenario. But who knows? But And then you, when you brought up Army of the Dead, it reminded me, but Dave Batista. I like Batista as, as an actor. I think he... Uh for a really big pro wrestler turned actor i think he he emotes well i find him believable um i find him believable in a way that i don't find the rock believable he definitely does feel like a very emotional person like when like you know when you see him upset you're like i can believe this yeah i i buy him as an actor Mm-hmm. Which is weird for a guy who's like 300 pounds of, of all muscle. Uh, there was a time that I used to get excited about Edward Norton being cast. I can't remember the last time that he turned in a, an interesting performance. He does feel like the kind of person who's like, oh, like, like, of, like to pick like new people, have like a big, like huge ensemble cast. He does feel like a good choice for you know, a movie like, like that. I, I think he needs to be motivated and um, maybe be given the 
the opportunity to to sink his teeth into a role otherwise like he, he always does a good job it's just i'm not sure that he, he's always really committed i think he moved into producing things more yeah he directed that movie a while back when was brooklyn yeah he also did i think it's uh leaves of grass i think he directed that but he's been producing as well um but like there was a time when i thought edward norton was going to be like a a, a major actor and then he just sort of uh i don't know didn't really disappear just sort of stopped picking really interesting parts thomas what did you watch I watched Signs for the first time. That's a good movie. I like it. It's pretty... It's it's a good kind of... It's almost like watching the Goosebumps TV series as a kid. It's like, you know, it's a horror movie, and it's scary, but it's not, like, gonna mess you up. It's not like <laughs> this is, like, horrible and upsetting to watch kind of, like, scary. It's like a fun oh, this is really tense and suspenseful um, movie. Has anybody seen it? I have. What did... Doesn't a pregnant lady die in a car crash? I don't think so. No? Okay. There is a car crash element to it, but I don't, I don't think the person is pregnant. Okay. Um, I, I remember not being a huge fan of it but I, i've only seen it once and it was only when it was released um i remember finding the alien um part of it to be like unusually small but i think that's the kind of thing that if i were to watch it again i would appreciate that that we're getting a a kind of uh microscopic view of what an alien invasion would look like for like one family in the middle of nowhere instead of looking at it in a war of the world sort of way yeah so. i was i was watching a, a review of it and the people in it were saying like how interesting is that like the main characters sleep through the big invasion mm -hmm. so uh, i i think it's a movie that i'd like to revisit uh because i i think today i would really enjoy that like the family and character element yeah it's a it's a pretty contained movie like a lot of it is set on a farm but yeah it, it does a good job with like suspense and there's a lot of like good uh i guess like jump scares but they're not like uh they're not like accompanied with like big like musical stings like that like startle you it's just like imagery that you're like oh no i don't know why i did that place <laughs> but it's no, I would highly recommend it. It's 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 a it's a good it's scary but it's it's manageable and it's 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 fun scary. It's it's a good suspense movie. Uh, I also watched The Village, another M Night Shyamalan movie. Liked it less. I also kinda went in knowing the twist. Does anybody care about spoilers for The Village? We kind of didn't go, we kind of went full spoils with uh, signs, but I think everybody knows, like, it's an alien movie, or 
a lot of people probably know it's an alien movie, and there's not really a twist in that one. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, what, do you want to explain The Village, Mr. Anderson? With spoilers? Sure, yeah. Uh, well, no. it, it's been a very long time since I've seen it, and I hated it. Uh, <laughs> so, I guess imagine a community that, uh, it, it, it looks like it takes place probably somewhere in the early 1800s, if not earlier. Um, and small little community, very close-knit, cut off from the rest of the world. But they are plagued by these monsters that sort of um, invade their, their town and their homes every now and then. It's kind of like almost like they get raided. Is that accurate? And then you find out that the big twist for this is that it doesn't take place two or three hundred years ago. It actually takes place in modern time. And this is just a group of people that decided to start a commune that was off the grid and to keep everybody, like the children, from seeking society at large was to concoct this monster threat to keep them complacent, I guess keep them from leaving and all mm -hmm. that i thought yeah so i went into it knowing the twist which maybe took away from it um i will say that the look of the monsters is pretty cool despite them being like uh just costumes mm -hmm. like i think the first time you see one of them is uh walking phoenix is like he's like hiding on the side of a house and like it's kind of like partially blurry but it just kind of like walks up to like the front door of a house and it and it's 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 unexpected but again it's not like there's like a big like jump scare noise but it's like unexpected and it's it's kind of creepy but it's it's also like that's a cool shot um and they, they have a really cool design like they have it's almost like a porcupine kind of thing like they have all these like quills coming out they were like i guess i'm trying to think of how i described them they're like these like big hairy monsters that wear like red cloaks and then they have all these little like spikes coming out of their back that like poke through the red cloth. I don't know. I think it's a pretty cool design for the monsters, but yeah, I didn't love it. Um, I also watched uh, on Disney plus the first episode of MODOK, um, which is a stop motion animated I guess supervillain show, but it's like this supervillain who also is like a father and a husband, which is kind of funny. It's nice to see that there's a like stop motion, even for some like a big company like Marvel. Like they could have done this CGI, but I like that it's I like that it's stop motion. I like that. Is it know. actually stop motion or is it computer I animated to look like stop motion? I think, I'm pretty sure it's stop motion. There are some things in it that make me think that there's possibly some CGI used, maybe with, like, mouth movement and stuff, and I'm sure some of the backgrounds are probably stop motion or CGI, computer-generated and all that, but I'm pretty sure that it's... I'm pretty sure that it's stop motion. Um, so that's, that's all right. You know, I've only seen the first episode, so I don't really have a whole lot to say about it yet um 
watched an episode of The Simpsons, um, watched some more Lost. It's getting a little uh, convoluted, I think. The, uh, one character has just moved to the island with a big steering wheel that's, like, in the island. <laughs> it's weird, but, you know, I'm going to keep watching it because it's, you know, I think I said this on another podcast, but it's nice to have something to just watch and just binge. Um, do you have, and a, I also do you have a favorite character? Thing. Sorry? Do you have a favorite character? Uh, there's a lot of good characters on the show. Um, I think I do actually have a, it's, it's a more new character. Uh, I think his name's Daniel Faraday. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of, <laughs> he just kind of like stumbles over his words. He just seems like one of those, like, he almost seems like a, a Lloyd Dobler character where he's like, like, this is a nice guy. He just seems like a, <laughs> like a nice guy who's just like, he's a, he's, He's smart, but he's just kind of, he stumbles over his words a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he's probably, he's also pretty relatable, I guess. Just He he does this weird thing when he looks at people. He's got this kind of like pained, soulful <laughs> look that I'm sure he practiced in front of a mirror a lot. Yeah. That's, that's funny. I, I think it's something I noticed, but like it was more of a subconscious thing. But now that you... But, yeah, he does, and he kind of does this. Uh, he he makes these noises. Yeah, and he, he kind of like he cocks his head a little bit. Yeah, squints yeah. one eye, and the other eye looks really sad. He's got this <laughs> eyebrow thing going on. It's a good look. Yeah, no, I, I think he's he's probably he's probably my favorite character. He's a good character. There, there's also like time travel in it now. It's getting it's getting pretty strange. That was the point when like when they did time travel, I was like, oh, time travel yeah. hardly ever works. <laughs> it's yeah, it's interesting. But yes, yeah, so there's a there was like a cliffhanger where Daniel Faraday is in the past, which is how did he get there? I guess I'll find out soon. Um, and I also like just today watched. Uh, a Disney Plus Premiere Access uh, explanation video. <laughs> and it's just, I feel like they're like explaining what Premiere Access is, but they I feel like they try and make it like this big, exciting thing. Like, what's it like to have Premiere Access? It's like having a movie premiere in your own home. And I'm like, yes, uh. I mean, I've never done it, but it feels like, feels like they're really trying to hype it up as something cool when it probably isn't that cool. I mean, the only thing I'm really looking forward to is Black Widow. I don't, you know, which is probably going to be a premiere access. Anyway, that's what I watched. Okay. Sydney, what were you watching? I've been mostly re-watching stuff, mostly TV shows. I re-watched How to Get Away with Murder and Neon Genesis Evangelion. But I also rewatched uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. I was going to chime in when Thomas was talking about stop motion because I love stop motion. I'm obsessed. And Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of my favorites, so I've been rewatching it constantly. But one of the new things I have watched was also The Mitchells vs. the Machines, and I really liked it. It was really, it was a really cute movie. Mm-hmm. It was. 
I, and I found it soulful too. Like it, it was funny. I laughed a lot, but there is, I think, a lot of good family. I don't know, drama for lack of a better word. Yeah, and I like that it came from so. Like, I feel like I'm kind of sick of seeing stuff come from Disney all the time. Like, I like Disney, but it was nice seeing something from Sony that was good. Like, they also did Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which was also really good. And I just like that they're kind of, like, establishing themselves, I guess, a lot more recently, in my opinion. Yeah. As, like, an animation studio. And I think Lord and Miller uh, worked on it a little bit. They didn't direct it, but I think they were their consultants or producers. And it was... It wasn't nearly as... um, aggressively animated as Into the Spider-Verse because Into the Spider-Verse was it was uh, almost hard to watch like it assaulted my eyeballs in a way that I, I really liked uh, and then the Mitchells versus the Machines had elements of that kind of craziness um, toned down a little bit but I thought that was it was fun too Yeah, but, uh, I agree. I really like the stylized um, animation that they have going on with those two movies. Uh, but yeah, that's basically everything I watched. I've been reading a lot more lately rather than watching movies and TV shows right now. I wish I could read. I've been mostly rereading um, uh, the Spiderwick Chronicles and some Lemony Snicket. <laughs> so it's like comfort reads? Yeah, back back to like middle school reading sort of thing. <laughs> nice. Something at your level. Exactly. <laughs> uh, who's next? I don't know my alphabet. Cameron. Is, is the Mitchells versus the Machines, is that like in the same comic book style of? Or is it slightly different? Like you, you brought it up but how similar is the animation style? So the character designs are very different. Um, like much more cartoony. Although Into the Spider-Verse had some cartoony elements with some of the overly stylized characters like uh, Kingpin and uh, uh, the Green Goblin, from what I remember. This one's a little bit more... Um, Maybe, um, I don't know, um, Pixar-esque, but what I meant about it being like Into the Spider-Verse was just having different layers and stuff popping up that's not really in the movie where it looks like you're almost watching a comic book. Okay. Cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. So there's things that, like, pop up and, and stuff that, like frames will be scribbled on and, and there's there's other stuff going on than just the scene happening itself stuff will pause and, and just sometimes it's for comedic effect effect and other times it's just sort of like interesting stuff that's going on in the background or uh in the perpendicular cameron Um, I only watched one thing. Um, I watched Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, I kind of put off watching it for obviously a long time. Um, 
I did not enjoy it in the slightest, um, but that's okay. Um, I think I would have liked it a lot better had it been set in the UK and not America. Um, yeah, I just didn't like the characters. And yeah, anyways. You didn't, didn't like, like the characters? No. no. None? Okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> No, that's not, really I'm, like, <laughs> I'm I'm not partial really to any of them myself. Like the Nifflers are really really cute. Um, so on like a on that side of thing, like with the creatures and how they're designed, I think that that was really well done. Um, I was a little unimpressed with them. It it just sort of seemed to me like they took animals that already exist, played around with their size, and maybe <laughs> gave them some sort of magic ability. So, like, here's a bird that's really big, and here's a platypus that's kind of small, and here's a rhinoceros. Like, it, none of them seem to be very... Uh, we are having internet issues. I mean, like, when I say that I don't like the characters, like... Uh, I mean, I kind of do, like, I relate to Newt Scamander, like, a lot, but at the same time, I just was, like, he's really dry, and, like, as a wizard, I would just, like, want more from that, um, and I also, like, I thought, like, it was really cool, like, how they use, like, spells and stuff like that, like, it felt like, okay, like, I am watching something a part of the Harry Potter franchise, and I hated, I think this is why I would want it set in the UK, that they change muggles to nomads for the Americans, because that's so, like, annoying. Like, muggles is so much better. But, yeah, I didn't enjoy that. Um, I'll probably watch Crimes of Grindelwald, because there's, like, they have, like, they bought, like, five Fantastic Beast movies, I think, so there's, like, ton. <laughs> make this the next Harry Potter. Yeah, it... Uh, I, I don't they... know how they're going to stretch out this series, because the, the second one to me already felt like a really just awful movie. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how they're going to stretch this out into five more. Mm -hmm. I think they're just trying to squeeze their uh, like as much money out of the Harry Potter franchise as possible. Yeah. Uh, HBO's working on a TV show right now, so... I don't know. I'm not really into the whole spin-off things or I know Fantastic Beasts is supposed to be a prequel, but I don't I know. Go ahead. First, I enjoyed the first one. I think I think they're just they just I think I don't know. I don't think it's a good idea to try and, you know, make a whole huge franchise out of something that you could just they could have just done two movies yeah but it's like they're really trying to push the story as far as it can go so like there's not really anyways <laughs> i'm rambling no the only kind of prequel that i would want for harry potter would probably be like a marauders era like early hogwarts well not early hogwarts i guess but like I don't know. That's, that's the only kind of prequel that I would be into. But no, I'm not into this Grindelwald situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's all I watched. Uh, um, so I got cut off. Yes. 
and uh, I, I, I would like to come back and chime in. Uh, I didn't, I don't know why they couldn't have just had a spin-off single movie that was the Magical Beast movie. It felt weird that they like crammed in this Grindelwald part. That seemed unusual. I, I would have liked to have had to just focus on Newt's commander running around New York collecting monsters and creatures. Mm-hmm. And it could have been like Ghostbusters, but instead of ghosts, you would just have him trying to collect these creatures that escaped. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it would have felt like it had more of a singular identity. But mm-hmm. th- then they tried to like folded into this other thing and I don't understand why all of the other movies that are going to come they're a Fantastic Beasts movie when they really don't have anything to do with Fantastic Beasts it just seems weird yeah I listened to MuggleCast which is like the Wizarding Podcast and that's what they say like we need more beasts in Fantastic Beasts and that's true like I feel like that would be like just like the Newt Scamander trying to conceal the identity of like the wizarding world in New York because you don't really get that like the only sort of like non-wizarding world that you get in the Harry Potter series is like Grimwald Place or Privet Drive but that still like feels very like wizarding world-esque so I think to like take that out and put it into New York would be like really cool. So you get this whole new setting, but it's still like the same, like adds on to the story. Um, Yeah. But yeah. But I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't feel like they took advantage of the setting though that much either. It didn't feel particularly American and it didn't feel particularly, when's it set? 1920s? I got cut off again, I think. <laughs> I, I was just saying that it didn't feel particularly American and it didn't feel particularly 1920s. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they, put a, they put it in a setting and then they didn't really... Like, yeah, the, the cars looked the part and the costumes looked the part, but I don't feel like I learned anything about what wizarding would have been like then. Mm-hmm. And I'm, technically the costumes weren't. Okay. Historic accurate. <laughs> 1920s. But I also found is it supposed to be in the 1920s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. I that's found... when Grindelwald was at its high, highest. So I guess if that's when that started. I also feel like the the choice to to have like a, a witch hunt at that time seemed really weird to me. Like it, it felt like maybe a hundred years too late to fit into like historical witch hunts in the United States. Like it, it yeah. would have been neat to, to maybe go back to like Salem and mm-hmm. like when there would be, but that might be too dark or maybe <laughs> bump it up to maybe the 1930s. Well, no, it would be like the 1950s with like the communist witch hunts that would make more sense it just felt i don't know like like some weird things yeah. were combined i felt really like detached from i don't even know ezra miller's characters like 
until the end where I'm like, why is he like keep just kind of cutting into the story mm. where he's not even doing much? He's just kind of like crying and then, oh, cut back. There's a Niffler. Like, I thought it was just very all over the place and loses its structure. But if they focus more on like the Deathly Hollows in like the like latter movies, then I think I'll be more pleased with the series. Um, kind of where like Grindelwald and Dumbledore's relationship kind of goes from there, but I I do. There's a couple things that I I did really like. Uh, Colin Farrell, uh, I I enjoy quite a bit. He's a very handsome man. He's got lovely eyebrows. Um, and a really good haircut in that movie. Um, yes. I was thinking. <laughs> and, uh, I'm saying that, Anderson. He, he's, he's all that. Um, and, and I... You, you have similar haircuts. <laughs> I, uh, maybe I was trying to emulate him. Uh, I like Eddie Redmayne's performance. I, I don't know if it's enough or if his character is enough to hold a movie, though. Mm-hmm. Which might be why he was given so many sidekicks, but I do like his his kind of quiet, almost autistic performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, I think it, um, I read some things where it was like they wanted to continue sort of that awkward character because um, Harry in like three and four kind of carry that persona. Um, but I just don't, I, I don't really see that same sort of connection, but mm-hmm. I really like how they didn't have like this, like outgoing wizard again, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think they could have exploited it a little bit more. If he is going for an autistic kind of performance that like, here's a guy who relates more to animals than he does people. And there are neat little things where he didn't really look people in the eye and he, he's like timid and nervous. I thought that that was neat for a hero. Yeah. Okay. Bev, what have you been watching? Um, okay. So my list is kind of long because it's a continuation from before the last podcast that I missed. So the first thing that I watched was the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, which is the new one. Um... I liked that Keanu Reeves was just a tumbleweed. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I thought that was... It was actually pretty entertaining. Um, I also watched Robot Chicken, Words on Bathroom Walls, Pride and Prejudice, which honestly, I didn't really like Pride and Prejudice that much. (laughs) Because, like, I watched it because Cameron and Sydney were like, oh my god, like, it's so good. And I watched it and I was like, okay. (laughs) I think we should have I think we should have some time for Sydney and Cameron to compose a response <laughs> <laughs> that they can deliver <laughs> without <laughs> passion I was like what are the odds like, everybody's watching Pride and Prejudice it's like, like three weeks in a row of like I watched Pride and Prejudice um I don't have much of a response, but just, <laughs> no, that's just, no. Say, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yeah, that is, yeah, disappointed. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to watch it again, 
so (laughs) (laughs) i felt a sharp pain in my chest (laughs) please tell me you watched that on a dvd and you took it out of the dvd player and broke it across your knee Okay, so that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. We're just end the podcast there. <laughs> okay, so um, we are moving on to our review of Rubber, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so if I resort to the Internet Movie Database, uh, Rubber, directed by Quentin Dupuis, is described as a homicidal tar tire, tar, car tire, I'll try that again, a homicidal car tire, discovering it has destructive psionic power, sets its sights on a desert town once a mysterious woman becomes its obsession. I love this movie. Did you? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I've never seen a movie like this before. It, it is very unique. I'm, I'm not sure that I would go as far as to say that I love it. I, I'm very enamored by it. I feel like I have a lot of... I have maybe more goodwill to this movie than maybe it deserves. Uh, but I do appreciate its completely bonkers premise and execution. And uh, it's... it's, it's very very unique i think it it fits in there with uh movies like um swiss army man mm-hmm. you've seen that right thomas I, I, yes i i i'm not in film club but i have heard stories of hunter there's usually every year there's usually one podcast that just goes off the rails for me it was the fargo podcast I'm not going to go into it. Just listen to it and you'll understand. Um, but for Hunter, I think it was... Uh, so this is before I showed up, but it was the Swiss Army Man podcast, I believe, was the one that went off the rails for uh, for him. Like in, in, the, in the years that he was there. Uh, has anybody else seen Swiss Army Man? I don't think so. Maybe we should. Good. I'll see if uh, if it's streaming anywhere. I think that might be a, a good follow-up to this one. Um, okay, uh, so uh, how about the rest of you? I'm definitely not as nice about this movie as you guys are. <laughs> I thought it to be a waste of my time. Oh. <laughs> oh. Unfortunately. That's There's the a worst. lot of we hate on this podcast. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice, Next Rubber. <laughs> When's it gonna end? <laughs> yeah, this was this was not it for me. Okay, so Beverly, how much better was Rubber than Pride and Prejudice? <laughs> oh no! Wow, wow. <laughs> well, I feel like Rubber had my attention more of the time. <laughs> How did Mr. Bingley not have most of your attention? I thought everyone in Pride and Prejudice, apart from, like, the main girl, was kind of just, like, not very attractive. 
and it wasn't very romantic. <laughs> like they're they're yelling at each other in the rain. How is that not so romantic? Okay. I like that part, but then it just like went completely somewhere else. I feel like there's just too much going on for way too long. Rover was very simple. It was one plot. There's a tire and it's blowing off people's heads. And a better romance story, right? Right? Than Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I could cry. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney? How do you feel about all this, Sydney? I'm kind of mixed on rubber. I, like, I'm gonna be honest, there are parts where I was kind of not that interested, but there were definitely parts where I was like, what is happening? Like, I definitely wasn't bored in the sense that I wanted to turn it off, but I'm not going to say that I loved it. I don't think I'll ever rewatch this, to be honest. I really like the setting, though. It was nice. <laughs> uh, see, this is a movie that I would want to share with other people. Yeah, I want to watch this with your parents. <laughs> like, it, it's the kind of movie that I would have multiple well if it wasn't covid i would have multiple people over and i would say you are going to watch this and regardless of people liking it or not holding them captive captive and forcing them to watch it i think would be fun and it's it's so bizarre that i think other people should know of its existence mm-hmm. see okay this is this is what i was thinking i'm like okay would i watch this like with my brother and like laugh at it that kind of thing and i just like was thinking i'm like there's no really point where like i thought it was funny so like i just really yeah but there's movies like oh man what was the one that we just watched um clue big trouble big yeah big trouble that's like a kind of movie that I would watch and like laugh with my siblings with. I'm not gonna laugh at a car tire. <laughs> like I, just, I didn't find it enjoyable, and I feel really bad because I know some so, someone worked really hard on that movie. <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> I think somebody probably did work really hard. I think there's a level of of love in this movie. That I still don't know how they how they made the tire move. Uh, I, I tried to find out, and maybe I I didn't dig terribly deep, but most of the effects are supposed to be practical. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, there's, like, a lot of, there's, like, there's a lot of, like, one-shots where it's just, like, a tire rolling, and it's, like, and you can see, like, all around it. It's, like, how did they, I imagine it was something, I imagine there was probably, like, a little motor or something with mm-hmm. wheels on, like, on the underside of it or something like that. But it's yeah. still, like, it it looks just like a tire. Like, it doesn't look like it's bulked up or anything. It looks just like a normal... It doesn't look like there's anything in, like, compartments or anything hiding in it. That's what I'm thinking, too. And then at first I was like, okay, there's got to be, like, some sort of, like, someone pulling it, pushing it. And then it, like, did this, like, turn, and then you see a whole new angle, and I'm like... Yeah. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) I I like... It has a personality. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, the sound design on the tire is really nice too. When it starts doing its its psychic flexing, and you get that kind of like wubber kind of yeah. sound to it. Um, and then there's a, a kind of like a buzzing and a whine to it. I I think it's a a really great 
sound and in the visual element of it like how the inside becomes like almost heat hazy yeah i <laughs> um so i i think the major fault with this movie is the runtime i think if it was 60 minutes it would be a lot better and I, 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 I say this repeatedly, and I, it was maybe a, a, a little bit of a, a contention for films like No Country for Old Men, where I say, like, I like the patience that the filmmakers have and the deliberate pace that they don't feel the need to rush things. And this one, it just felt like they had maybe 45 minutes of, of material, and they drew it out to an hour and a half. I, I was going to say, I didn't want to sound mean, but I did find myself, like, using that kind of 10-second skip button. I, um, I can understand I... you wanting to do that. Because there are, it, it's kind of like Lord of the Rings, where it's like, how many shots do we really need of people traversing terrain? Like Lord of the Rings, it's like, oh, they're climbing up a mountain. Oh, they're going across a field. Oh, they're crossing a stream. Oh, another mountain. And this was, like... A tire just moving around and as cool as it looks i think a lot of like there's there's probably five minutes of just a tire rolling in this movie yeah. or turning and looking at something <laughs> and maybe there's some humor there that it seems like they're trying to frame it in a really uh serious way that they're giving this this ridiculous premise like a serious treatment and that's kind of i don't know maybe fun but it yeah it's i think it's it's trying on your patience and it's not like one of those movies where it pays off i don't think in mm -hmm. any ways like if you're watching a david lynch movie it's going to try your patience but when you get to the end there's there's kind of a merit to that and, and this is maybe too goofy mm-hmm so I just have a question about the movie that I oh, didn't quite understand. Well, okay. So the people with the binoculars that are watching the movie, why would they take them there to watch it if they were just going to poison if they didn't want them to watch it? Well, I, I guess that depends on what you think those people are. Like, what, what's their role in the movie? I thought that they were us. Yeah. Okay. I, I think like the cop, like the like uh Bob said, no reason. <laughs> wow. Okay, so if you want to go back to that, I I, I love that opening scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, <laughs> when uh... the car when it's like <laughs> just swipe, side swiping on the chairs. I yeah. thought that was so funny. And and the chairs that were obviously Put together without any screws they just get nudged and they fall apart he climbs out of the yeah. trunk he's got the glass of water he pours it out but i i i think the movie is saying that there's no reason kind of like in alice in wonderland there's i think that that bird that's always trying to find the moral to the story so i think it sets it up in a way where like here's a movie where there's no reason for anything we're doing but i don't think that's the case I, there is. I don't think it's that nothing means anything. I think there is 
meaning or or maybe i'm just i'm trying to find some sort of message in something that has no message i'm sure there probably is somewhere in there but if you if you go back and you look at the examples that he gives and he, and they come back to this a little bit later where like why can't we see the air no reason no there there's there's a a real reason why we can't see the air um it, <laughs> The, the particles are pretty far apart and they don't transmit light and are, are, there's a reason for it um sydney that could probably explain that more though, mr anderson <laughs> sydney can you explain why we can't see air no i i understand I, uh, i'm joking sydney explain it no okay <laughs> all right um, but he can still have the monologue, and I think that's fine. But I think the reasons that he he gives are begging us to find a reason. Mm. Well, maybe that's the point. No, I think that is the point. So I, I think they have this this idea, and it's it's begging us to find a reason. So he says there's no reason, but there is a reason. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I think that Cameron's right. I think the people in the desert with the binoculars, I think they represent the audience. And yeah. I think the movie is about the relationship between a film and filmmaker and audience. Yeah. And Especially when he goes to the van and is like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, it's just like a flamethrower. <sighs> and like, it's like, I want something exciting. And so... You get these people that are commenting on the movie and what they like and what they don't like. And things start out with a level of, of interest by the filmmaker that I think is supposed to be represented by the sheriff and the guy who calls him master. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so they're like the the filmmakers and then everybody else, I guess, is they're the actors or, or, well, or they're the material. Uh, says i'm not a character at the end when the tricycle comes out mm-hmm. which yeah. that's a whole other thing we got to get to but he says i'm not a character yeah i'm just walking. yeah so he they those group of people i 100 percent agree they're the audience mm-hmm. people like the cops and i mean maybe maybe the cop is is a filmmaker but i they're all in the world of the movie right mm-hmm. yeah so they're, they're characters yeah, I thought it was, like, gonna be, like, a plot twist, this is, like, the Truman Show situation mm. kind of thing, which I guess it kind of was, but I feel like it didn't, like, execute how, like, the Truman Show kind of did. But the Truman Show is literal. That, yeah. This is, this is a, this is a metaphor, and so yeah. it, it, it's abstract. Um... Kind of like if you're looking at like, an like a a beast fable like the tortoise and the hare or the the scorpion and the frog, where it's like there aren't really talking animals. You like you you would probably not really have a frog and a stream and a scorpion together in the same environment either. Like it doesn't make sense, and so I I I think it works in in metaphors. I don't know if the metaphor like makes complete sense but i i do think it's about like here the guy starts off and he's like i'm making this movie where there's no reason and he's kind of excited about it and he does this monologue and then as the audience is watching and and 
they're commenting, he kind of loses his interest. And so it's like, let's get rid of the audience. And then we don't have to do it anymore. And then like, there's different levels of people relating to it. And there's the one guy who's like, I'm going to stick with it to the end. But then he starts telling them, like, this is what I want out of the movie. I want I want big explosions and I want I want what I want. And then the filmmaker is kind of like, screw it. And he's like, I'm just going to I'm just going to finish it. Here you go. Um, and so I think it's it's just like a long sort of narrative about that the relationship between the the audience and the the product to a degree yeah. mm-hmm. I, think... I, I like i liked how i guess blunt the word would be like how when the cop goes in and he like kills the tire and you don't even see it and he just comes out and he's like there you happy and then, yeah. the, and then the tricycle comes out i was like wait he, he reincarnated like it's so so why but i i like it i think it's funny i, I think the the tricycle bit's pretty fun uh i kind of wish he didn't explain it that the tricycle was like the reincarnation but that's yeah. okay but so it could have been like another thing that he was like hanging out with that we didn't see and then like now we see it kind of thing but uh-huh. i don't know if it's all a metaphor, I don't know what the tire means. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure about its relationship with the the French lady, who's a horrible actress. Yeah. She was yeah. rough. Um, I, think, I, I, think, I, think, I think her performance works in this. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, I thought the other performances were pretty good, though. Like, I, I the, thought the... The police officer was great. I liked him. I liked uh, the uh, his his servant. I thought he was kind of funny. I love the story that he tells about his brother falling down a crack and then he picked up a oh, rock yeah, and, so... <laughs> and he stopped crying. I just picked up a rock and I smashed his face. <laughs> it's so like... What? <laughs> Well, and just before that, he, he kind of loses track of what he's saying because he's eating some, like, dessert. And he's like, where was I? All right, I was about when I killed my brother. Okay, so it's... What even was the story? There was there was a slippery rock on a mountain or something and he fell into a crack or something? When he was young, his dad took them on a trip to a, a mountain, but they didn't have any money, so they couldn't go snowboarding or skiing and so they just went out and they walked around in the the snow and they didn't have shoes and then yeah slippery rock crack rock <laughs> yeah this thing. that was that was a, like why they didn't even have shoes <laughs> walking in the snow i don't know ah the uh <laughs> the the inclusion of the turkey i thought was really fun too I thought the scene in the hotel room where where he's like just there with the turkey and it's like oh there's a turkey in the room i thought it was gonna go in a very different direction that i'm happy it did not (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even think about that and now it's in my head um but then there's the the turkey eating scene that i think is really great where they just they devour it i thought it was a human head Oh, okay. <laughs> and they all reverted to cannibalism because they were so hungry. Oh. And it took me like all it took me until they explained that they had like a 
like they were poisoning them mm-hmm. with food. And I'm like, oh, so they didn't eat each other. Okay. <laughs> that, it took me that long to comprehend. It was one of those things where it was like, like they're going to poison it, but he's also going to cook it into a very nice looking turkey. Like, <laughs> like this properly cooked thing, and he just dumps it out in the sand. <laughs> Uh, what, how, were they that hungry? I mean, like, how long were they out there for? I mean, maybe that just adds to the weirdness, but that they all just immediately just, like, rip it apart, like, like it's, like, a, like, they're zombies or something, or, like, the kids in Lord of the Flies, for Simon, there's another Lord of the Flies thing. I think it's supposed to, again, it just represents them as an audience, that the majority of, of audience members will sit back and critique whatever they want, but as soon as they're given something, they'll just consume it and not think about it. And so you have people making films and and it can be crap that's just like kind of thrown out at them. And when like, really, it's just like poison content. Wow, I really like that. That, That's that's a really good connection. Well, I, I, well, I... I think that there's substance. I don't, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think it's a neat metaphor. I don't know if it holds water. Um, I mean, the tire's got a hole in it, so... That's tr- that's true. If it, if it was properly fitted, it would hold air. Yeah, and it wouldn't sink. That's true. Because it's um, I, I think what made me come to that sort of analysis is at the end when the... When the tricycles roll up on Hollywood, that they they start in this sort of, I don't know, um, desolate. It, you can't even call it a town, right? Like there's like a, a motel, I think, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, and then they roll up on on Hollywood. It made me think that it it has some sort of commentary on Hollywood on on film, I guess. And then I kind of backtracked and, and tried to figure out some things. And so the French lady, I don't know, maybe it's a comment on, on how we objectify women. Yeah, there was definitely a scene of objectification. Yeah, because now that you say that, like how the audience was like reacting to that, and that's... Yeah, I always get more out of like the movies that we watch after we talk about them more. <laughs> but I still strongly dislike <laughs> that's why we talk about them yeah i gotta say i love the um the bomb uh attempt at the end of the movie to uh and and the french lady um i should know her name but i don't um where she's reading that script and she's trying to get the the tire to come out and, and explode her uh I like how convoluted the plan is i like the script i love it when the sheriff takes over and starts reading Tire have any motivation? I don't. I don't think so. I think it just rolls over a plastic water bottle and then it's like, "Yep, I gotta destroy everything now." Yeah, because it went from like crushing the 
bottle to a beer bottle, and then it was a can, and then a rabbit. I think it was the frustration after it took it a while to get the can, and then maybe it was like, or not the can, like the bottle, and then maybe the yeah. board it got once it did, it's like, okay, I gotta keep doing this now. Oh, yeah, yeah, like bigger targets. Yeah. I, I like the, the bottle part where it, it like tries to roll over. It's like, oh, it's it's like another can. And like it, it tries and no, what? what? And it tries again. And then it like takes like a faster go and then backs up. I yeah. thought that was all really fun. So is it, yeah. I was just wondering if it's supposed to be like a Michael Myers killing machine. I didn't think about that, but yeah, I, that's, I feel like that's a good, like no kind of no rhyme or reason. It's just pure evil but it starts out as a discarded tire isn't malicious yeah. because it's just cast away like a piece of trash i thought that was that that was kind of funny when it just was rolling and like it falling over and then it would get up and it it's learning it's learning how to walk. Yeah, like a baby i guess oh and then there's the really touching scene where it comes across the uh the tire holocaust Uh, yeah, I that that uh, that was what I was thinking at when I saw that. Like it was, it was a very clear. I mean, I, I'm assuming that was the what they were going for, but it's a very clear metaphor. Would that be the right word? Yeah, or illusion maybe would be a better word. Okay, I I feel like I'm spent. I I, I think it's an interesting allegory or metaphor but i don't know if there's if i have anything else to to comment on what about like the characters i want to talk about the characters uh the sheriff's kind of fun i don't know i feel like there's a lot of character he was probably the best the best part for me i think i would love to member i liked him and i was kind of surprised at where his character goes towards the end where all he wants is uh a big explosion i thought he was going to be that audience member that's like i'm going to stick with something through to the end and i'm going to think about it thoughtfully and i'm not going to get distracted um and in the end he's just like no just give me give me explosions that's what i came for i was a little surprised by that does that maybe say something about, you know, you know, viewers, you know, you might think you want something, but then by the end you want to be like, ah, just, this is too boring. Give me something. Yeah, I, I don't know. That doesn't seem to be a, like a fair critique about critics. Um, but critics will 
suggest what they want and, and tell filmmakers how it could have been done differently, even though they're not the ones that are taking those steps and, and pouring their heart and soul into things. Were there any favorite scenes? <laughs> I, I, I don't mind going last if, if there's other people who want to talk. I feel like I've talked a lot about this. So if there's other people who want to jump in, go ahead. This is just a shot, and it's pretty simple. Um, it's when the tiger, I think, is approaching his, its first... Um, human victim the guy in the at the gas station with the pickup truck and the tire is just sitting beside the the pickup truck and the guy looks out and he's got these aviator glasses on and you see the reflection of the tire in his glasses and it's like the the tire would be kind of like his um like the irises of his eyes it's it's just really it's neat and then again really good sound design when his head blows up Other favorite scenes? Um, I think for me, probably I liked the opening where like the guy was just standing there with the binoculars and like I see these chairs and the car falls through because it was like trying to swerve through them and hit every single one. I don't, I don't. I just thought that was a great way to open the movie. I was, uh, yeah. I would. Was there any other favorite scenes you had, Beverly? Uh, I mean, I like the end, too. Like, it's just rolling, and then all the tires that are on the side of the road get up, and then there's just, like, a gang of tires rolling down the road. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. I would agree with Beverly, that opening scene with the, with the guy's binoculars, and then the car kind of spurs up. I was, I was wondering... Because, like, the final chair, I was like, oh, is he not going to hit it? But then he, like, just gets it with, like, the back of the car. I was like, yes. Yeah. Like, it felt it felt like one of those, like, shots where they're, like, like that probably took a long time to set up. And they're, like, it was one of those, like, perfect, oh, we, we did it. We got it. I think, so, like, yeah, that opening scene and, you know, the, the police chief's uh, monologue included. And then I think maybe when the tire, like, comes alive, and he just is kind of figuring out how to tire, I guess, how to roll. Um, and I think just in general, like, I'm really impressed with just how they made the tire move, because I still don't fully know how they did it. For some of the things I can understand, where it's, like, parts of it are cut off, like, like when it would be like shaking or something, it's probably just somebody shaking it. Oh, I also like that it was breathing. Like when it was sleeping, you could see that like it was like it was breathing. I thought that was fun. Um, yeah. I don't. Out of like weird movies, like kind of weird goofy movies we've watched, I guess between Big Trouble in Little China and this, I think I probably like Big Trouble in Little China more. But I still really liked this. I think maybe love was a strong word, but I I really like this. I think this is a really fun movie. I think it's really fun. 
Okay. I, w- I would watch this again. Maybe with your finger on the uh, 10 second advance? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Well, let me know how it goes with your parents. Uh, okay. Letter grades? Wait, does anybody have Sydney or Kevin? Do you guys have favorite scenes? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mind the scene with the sheriff where, like, he was getting them to shoot him. It was was probably outside of the beginning and the end. Like you guys said, that did pique my interest. But then after that kind of, like, ended, I kind of lost interest. But the sheriff scene kind of interested me again because, like, just the absurdity of, like, they didn't know what he was going on about, but this one guy was, like, completely okay with just shooting him. <laughs> and just nothing happened. Like, he was, like, he's bleeding. He's, like, I'm fine. I don't feel anything. And they were just, like, okay. Yeah, nobody really reacts to it. I thought the one cop who, who shot the chief was just going to start, like, shooting everybody else. <laughs> but that didn't happen. Yeah, I like the absurdity of that scene. And it did definitely get me a little more interested again because, I was confused. Like, I was like, what is happening? Yeah. I do think that's interesting because the the sheriff, he gets shot and nothing happens to him. But I think that if anybody else were to be shot, they would probably be hurt. Because they go back and they look at the lady in the, in the body bag and she's still dead. Yeah. So I, th- because there's still an audience member watching, they have to go through the motions of, of continuing to create art and it's still real because it's being viewed. It's kind of like the audience makes the entertainment to a degree. And if you don't have an audience, then you don't have film. Okay. Cameron, least favorite scene? just like like we said like the over extended like rolling scenes um but i did like i do like the opening monologue and i do like the ending and like since that like that when the cop gets shot i do think that piqued my interest but at the same time i was just still kind of like yeah i still don't really know what's going on (laughs) so yeah, I don't know. This movie just wasn't it for me, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, can we do letter grades now, Thomas? Is that all right? Sure. All right. I, I think I'm going to go B plus, maybe. Um, I, I do appreciate how completely wacky it is. The premise is completely ridiculous. I think it works in a really interesting way on a symbolic level. I think that it it could yield a lot of different interpretations and not just mine, which I always value, but it it is, I think, fairly long given the content. Um, and like long to the point where I do feel it overstays its welcome. There, the, the interesting scenes are, are maybe not too few, but it feels like they're too far in between. Um, I really like the sound design. I think the effects are really confounding. And 
I think it looks pretty good. I think it's shot well, too. Particularly for, for something that could just be a really goofy joke. It, they take it serious, or they, they make it seriously. Yeah, they take, like, something that could be, like, like a cheesy B-movie, but they there's love. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Beverly was mentioning um, Robot Chicken earlier. Yeah, it it could be goofy in like a robot chicken sort of way, but it's not. It's it's something a little bit more than that. So yeah, B plus. I definitely don't love it, but I think it's a really interesting oddity. Okay, Thomas. I think I'd give it. I'm between an A and an A minus. I think I'll go with A. That's kind of Sydney? I'm gonna give it a C. I liked the setting. I thought the desert was a really good choice. Some parts of it were very good, and I feel like it could have been a really, really good, like, short film. Like, if you cut down a lot of it, it would have been really, really good. But I also agree that it drags on way too long for what it is, and that takes away from the value of the film for me. Cameron. You are muted, my dear. Um, I'm gonna give it a D plus C minus. Oh, okay. Um, uh, for reasons we said, I mean, like, you can obviously see like the care they they put into the movie. Um, I guess. Maybe, like, I know it's not everybody's taste, and I know, like, I'm with a huge group of people that probably really don't enjoy this movie. Um, yeah, it just wasn't for me. Okay. And Beverly. Um, I'm going to give it a solid B, because I will probably end up watching it again, but not by myself. I thought Beverly would find this a, uh, a hoot. I enjoyed it, but I feel like I would enjoy it more with other people. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's... Maybe other people would make it seem a little less long. If you're having fun and you're talking and and having that fill some of the gaps. I just thought you'd get a kick out of the premise of a tire having psychic ability to pop people's heads off. <laughs> well, I mean, I did. And I looked in, like, the recommended thing or, like, the related thing underneath on Prime. And there was a lot of other ones where it was, like pair of jeans that kill people <laughs> um and just like other like random objects that just went on like murder sprees so i might watch some of those too okay i think those other <laughs> ones will probably be a little more along the lines of the the goofy way that uh yeah. that it could have gone i remember uh one time uh i saw a movie about a uh, a murderous um prophylactic it's uh yeah that was a weird thing uh so uh, i think that cameron was right on the money about other people not appreciating it uh if we go to rubber its approval rating is pretty pretty low um i'm just waiting for it to load 
Because I forget what the number was, and I'll read you the consensus. Uh, the consensus is, a clever premise gets plenty of comic blood and violence, but it's hampered by some questionable storytelling techniques from director Quentin Dupree. I don't know if it's if the techniques are questionable, but uh, the gave it 68%, but the audience gave it 46 so that's pretty low. And then if you run over to the Internet Movie Database, it's, uh, its average score is 5.8. Um, and I could not find anything on um, Common Sense Media or MovieGuide.org, unfortunately. But uh, all right, that's uh, our review of Rubber. And... Uh, I was just looking at other movies that he had directed. I'm not familiar with any of them, but I think I might uh, try to uh, pick them out. Um, I think it might, uh, one of the things could be that he's a French filmmaker, and uh, French films are a different kind of animal. So, uh, I think we talked about Swiss Army Man for, for next time, perhaps? Um, I will, uh, I'll check it out. It's a... Uh, it might be an interesting follow-up for, for this one. Thomas, you're muted. I think it's funny. We started, we started we'll be like, yeah, let's get back into the horror. And now we're like, let's just watch some weird stuff again. Yeah. I, don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Um, I think I think Swiss Army Man would be a good follow-up to this. And then maybe after that we could... We could do something like Evil Dead. Or... Oh, yeah. It was supposed to be our horror movie, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's not really... I don't know. It, it It's a horror premise, I guess. I don't think, I don't think, so. I don't think that there well, are any I really... Like I didn't see any really interesting horror movies on um, any streaming services um us is on netflix right now really yeah i like that but i we reviewed that recently didn't we thomas yeah that was like the first movie of last year that. we could do get out again i missed that one that was like one of the first movies we, we did when i was in grade nine but i i missed that one so okay. um, i wanted to do, yeah, do that yeah I, I would like to review Get out. Are we still recording? Yes, we are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but we should probably stop. Nobody needs to listen to this part of things. Um, okay. So uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining us. Um, and uh, we'll be back with something next week or the week after. Yeah. Okay. Have an A one day, listeners. <laughs> Oh. Wow.